Hello, small group leaders, and welcome to the Small Group Leaders Podcast for week two of our current sermon series, Moving Mountains. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I hope you had a great time in your groups for week one of the series. In week one, we looked at the idea of calling on the name of the Lord, at praying in Jesus' name. We explored the idea that when we have faith without doubt, We can pray in His name and see the mountains that we face be moved. This week we'll look at what mountain-moving prayer looks like, at what is important in our prayer life as we pray to take the mountains that we face. We begin this week's study guide with an icebreaker question. Since we're talking about prayer, prayer that moves mountains, the question involves prayer. What is the greatest prayer you've ever seen answered in your life? Now, not everyone will answer this question. Um, Some may not feel comfortable talking about the answered prayer for personal reasons, and some may feel that they've never really seen an answer to prayer in their lives. So be sure not to pressure anyone to answer. Don't take too much time with this, but don't cut it too short either. One person's story of answered prayer can be very inspiring and encourage others in the group. For me, I think one of the greatest answers to prayer came in 1999 when my mother suffered a major stroke. Because the stroke occurred in the middle of the night and she lived alone, it was hours before anyone knew what had happened. As a result, the effects of the stroke were severe. She was put on life support, and one of my sisters called me from Florida to tell me that I should come down because it didn't look good. So I prayed. I did go down to Florida, but after a few days, although she was not conscious, my mother was stable. And although she was left partially paralyzed and never regained her speech, I believe my prayer was answered because she lived another nine years. As we move into the study, this week's Reflecting on the Sermon section only has one question, which reads, Share with the group one thing from this week's sermon that really stood out or spoke to you. The rest of the study dives into the three points that this week's sermon focused on, the three things that help to make our prayers mountain-moving prayers. For this reason, the sermon reflection section was kept to one question. What we're looking for here is for group members to just share briefly on one thing that stood out to them. My suggestion is that you try to spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes in this section so that you can get into the next section, Taking the Mountain. However, as always, listen to the prompt of the Holy Spirit, and if you feel He is prompting you to spend more time here, follow that prompt. The main section of this week's study is called Taking the Mountain. This week's sermon points to three things that help us to see mountains move through our prayer. Three things that can help us to take the mountains we face. Those three things are the power of partnership or agreement, the power of profession or words, and the power of preparation or clearing the ground. For each of these points, there are two or more questions, or sets of questions. Let's take a look at them. So the first point is the power of partnership. 
This speaks to the idea of agreement in prayer, agreeing or partnering in prayer with other believers, coming into agreement with God's heart for us, and partnering with God as the final authority. God's heart is for us to be in agreement and to have unity in all things, including in prayer. There is power in partnership in prayer. Before asking the first set of questions, have someone in the group read Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, and have another person read Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 to 20. These verses speak to the power of agreement. The first question here is, what do these verses tell you about the power of partnership in prayer? There are two things that I see as being clear in these verses. The first is that when we agree together in prayer, we will see the mountains move. Leviticus 26.8 points to the fact that there is exponential power in numbers. And in Matthew 18, Jesus said that if we agree in prayer, God will answer that prayer. The second thing that I see is that the reason that there is power when we come together with other believers and agree in prayer is that Jesus is a part of that prayer. He said that when two or more of us come together as his followers, he is right there with us. So when we come together and agree in prayer, he's right there in the middle of our prayer. The second question here is, what are some stories in the Bible that illustrate the power of unity and agreement in prayer? The first story that comes to my mind is in Acts. Peter is in prison and the believers come together, united and in agreement in prayer. And the result of that prayer is that Peter is miraculously freed from prison. Give time for your group to think about some of these stories and then share them with the group. The next question begins by saying that often when two or more believers come together to agree in prayer, this is when the breakthrough comes. The question here asks, have you seen this to be true or experienced it personally? If so, share that story with the group. One story that points to this for me is in, in May of 1940, Great Britain was facing what may have been its worst defeat in, in its history, as hundreds of thousands of their troops were basically surrounded at Dunk, Dunkirk with what appeared to be little or no chance of escape. On May 26, 1940, King George VI called for a national day of prayer. Believers in that nation came together to agree in prayer for God to intervene. The power of agreement was demonstrated as God answered those prayers. A storm hit the area of Dunkirk, saving the armies from Nazi planes. And then the seas were calmed, allowing coastal yachts to transport troops from the beach. While those in command had hoped for 20 to 30 units to be saved, the actual number was 10 times that. The breakthrough came as believers came together and agreed in prayer. Agreeing in prayer does not simply mean agreeing to pray. It means agreeing for the same outcome, looking for the same result. So, for example, if someone asks you to agree with them in prayer for their child to be healed of cancer, 
When you agree with them in prayer, you're agreeing for that same outcome. But there are times when we may not want to or should not agree with someone in prayer. For example, if someone came to me and told me that they were going to withdraw all of the money in their savings account and use it to buy lottery tickets and was looking for me to agree with them in prayer that they would win the jackpot, I couldn't do that. The next question is, can you think of a situation where you may not want to agree in prayer with someone? Explain your answer. So have your group share on this. The next point, uh, the next point is the power of profession. This speaks to the words of our prayer. Our words are important. Have someone in the group read Mark 11, 22 to 23. In this passage, Jesus says, you can say to this mountain. The word say indicates the act of speaking out loud. When we pray, when we cry out to God, we should profess the words out loud. The question here, questions, I should say, here are, why do you think it is important to profess your prayers out loud? And what are some of the reasons that a person would be held back from doing this? God knows what we need. He knows what we're looking for in prayer before we even speak the words. And while we don't have to speak the words aloud in order for God to hear them, when we do so, we're inviting God into our lives and into the outcome that we are seeking. And for that reason, it's important to speak those words out loud. When we pray and cry out to God out loud, it can also benefit, benefit those around us, especially our children. If you're a parent, praying out loud teaches your children not to be afraid to cry out to him, and it gives them a godly example of reliance on God in times of need. Some of the things that may hold people back from praying out loud or crying out to God out loud are fear of what others may think embarrassment, and perhaps even doubt. If any of your group express that they don't pray out loud for any of these reasons, take time to encourage and pray with them. For the next question, have someone read Luke chapter 6, verse 45. When we pray, our words are important, but just as important are the motives behind those words. This passage from Luke speaks to the truth that what comes out of our mouths flows from what is in our hearts. That speaks to our motives. The question here is, why do you think that our motives are as important as our words? James chapter 4 verses 2 to 3 tells us that we don't have what we want because we don't ask. We need to speak the words. But it goes on to say that even if we do ask, if our motives are wrong, we still won't receive. Wrong motives come from the flesh. And we're going to focus more on that in the next study, in, in next week's study. The final point is the power of preparation. And this speaks to the idea of clearing the ground. Clearing the ground means doing whatever is necessary so that something can happen without any problems. When we apply that to prayer, 
It means making sure that we're right with God, making sure our hearts are right, that they are aligned to the heart of Christ. Taking the mountain requires preparation of our hearts, a spiritual clearing the ground. This includes things like confessing our sins, forgiving others, being humble before God, and being willing to submit to God's will. Have someone read Mark chapter 11, verses 24 to 25, then ask the questions, what aspect of clearing the ground do these verses speak of? Why do you think this is important? And how have you done with this in your own life? The preparation that Jesus is talking about here is, of course, forgiveness. In verse 24, he says that we can pray for anything, and if we have faith, we'll receive it. But in verse 25, he points out that there is some clearing the ground needed. If we are holding a grudge against someone, harboring unforgiveness, we must first forgive that person. When we forgive, we receive God's forgiveness. And it's only when we're willing to extend forgiveness that we can expect an answer to our prayer. As people in your group share their answers to these questions, especially the question about how they have done with this in their own lives, they may reveal struggles they're having with it. Be sure not to be critical, but to encourage. Ask if you can pray as a group for them, and if they say yes, spend some time praying for them. For the final question in this week's study, have someone read Acts chapter 19, verses 13 to 16. In this passage, the seven sons of Siva attempt to drive out a demon from someone by calling on the name of Jesus, the Jesus who Paul knew, but who they did not. The demon says, I know who Jesus is, and I know Paul, but I don't know you, and then basically kicks their butts. Before we can call on the name of Jesus, before we can move mountains by praying in his name, we must establish a relationship with Jesus, and we must be growing in that relationship. The question here is, why do you think that it is important to know Jesus and to know his heart in order to be able to pray mountain-moving prayers? I think that we need to establish and grow a relationship with Jesus because we need to know who he is, and we need to know his heart. Without that relationship, it's impossible for us to know and believe in the power and authority in His name. Without that relationship, we can't have the faith without doubt that is necessary for us to be able to see the mountains in our lives be moved. That brings us to the end of this week's study. I hope that you're enjoying the study as much as I am. Before I close in prayer, I'd like to share some thoughts on the importance of what goes on with your groups between group meetings. One of the things that we should see as a result of being in groups is growth or life change. Some of this will happen in the group meetings, but more likely it will happen outside of those meeting times. That's why it's important for the group to stay connected outside of the meetings. There are many ways to do this. Some suggestions are providing the group with each other's emails and phone numbers so they can connect 
or using apps like GroupMe to keep everyone up to date on group news and schedules. If everyone in the group is on Facebook, you can create a private Facebook page to keep the conversation going between meetings. You can even use the Facebook page to facilitate an, an, an online Bible study during times like the summer when groups are not officially meeting. And if social media or technology is not your group's thing, getting together occasionally just to fellowship outside of group meetings is another way of staying connected and growing together. Well, that's it for these, this week's podcast. One thing I do want to point out, though, is that we're talking about prayer in this series. So I would really strongly encourage that you make sure that you leave sufficient time at the end of your group time to pray with each other, to pray for each other's needs and to pray um, for each other's struggles. But make sure that you leave some good time for that prayer. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us this time to look at the study that you have inspired for our church this week. I pray that the discussions that come out of this study will serve to bring each of us closer to you and to each other. I pray that as we look at your word, each one of us will learn the things that you would have us learn, that each of us will grow in our faith and in our relationship with your son, Jesus. I pray your blessing on all of our group leaders as they facilitate their groups this week. I pray for their health and for their families, and I pray for all of those in their groups. Bless them as they lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great time in groups this week. God bless. Mm -hmm.